of step they should take. Verse 1, we find the disciples anticipating a new beginning because it's a new thing to them. They join together always in praying. They pray in unity. They pray to know the plan of God for their new beginning. But they were confused. Jesus has been with them. He's been their leader. He's been their teacher. He's been their prophet. He's been the one that has been feeding them. He's been their supplier of everything. This is the time that they were alone. They don't even know what to do. They don't know how to eat. They don't know what to do. They don't know what, which step to take. So they gather together in unity, praying together. They spent three years struggling to compose the will of God as they are trying to understand what their jobs entail. They don't know what to do. It took them three years. But in verse 2, a strange thing happened. I mean, chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 2 to 4. A strange thing happened to the disciples as they gathered together in one accord. The important thing as a church, this is a foundational training for a church. Unity is very important. As they gather together in one accord, having mutual consent, they are in agreement, they have group unity, they unite together. Having one mind and purpose, and they have good rapport. I came in here, I felt the love of God, unity, the spirit of God. But there is still one thing that people always lack. When you have all that, but you are still lacking something. We are never finished. God, has, God never finished with us. If we say we are doing this, we have done that, but we are still lacking something. But we go further. Their life changed suddenly. There's a song that came to my mind when I was preparing this yesterday. Suddenly, a touch from heaven. Suddenly, their life changed. Their calling became evident and they have direction for their purpose. They catch the Holy Spirit fire and they are anointed for the work they are destined for. Unity is very important in the body of Christ. Unity is very important in the church of God. Because without unity, without them staying together, united together, having one mind and one focus, the Spirit of God will not appear. Verse 5 to 12, the apostle then went, if we read it from that when they got the, um, the Holy Spirit came upon them, they went to the crowd where they were celebrating the Pentecost. As I was preparing it, reading it to myself yesterday, because I had to read it, I'm a Nigerian, I've got accents, and Greek is my teacher of English. <laughs> yes. As I was reading it to myself, my young son said to me, Mom, but the Pentecost is for the Christians. I said, no. The Pentecost, Jesus decided 
to do something on that day because they were celebrating. It's a feast of first fruit. A day when they celebrate the agriculture harvest where every tribe and tongue gather in Jerusalem. And no one understood anybody. Every tribe and tongue, different people with different languages, different people with different culture, they gather together. It's a day that they must gather together. Nobody understands each other's language. But why did Jesus choose that day? We are going further. Pentecost is 50 days after the Passover and will be on a Sunday. It normally fall on a Sunday. Little do the apostles, they went there, they gathered there among the people. They don't know. Little do they know that they're about to bring changes. They're about to bring back to the church that day. But because they are filled with the Spirit of God, they are, their step has been, was being guided. The Spirit of God guides them to where he wants to do his miracle. Unity is very important. Unity in the church of God is very important. I pray that as I am speaking this word, the spirit of Pentecost will come down and penetrate into our hearts as the body of Christ and as the church of God. And as we are sitting down, the spirit of Pentecost will do his work among us, even in this church, in Jesus' name. As they gather with other Jews on the Pentecost day, amazingly, the Spirit descends on the apostles. It miraculously enables them to speak boldly. The Spirit of boldness came upon them while they were there. You know, in the inside, inside the room, they have been filled with the Spirit of God. But when they step out among the crowd, the Spirit descends upon them. The Spirit of boldness to speak authoritatively, to speak with boldness, came upon them. And to, it miraculously enabled them to speak boldly and to speak the language of those who had gathered there. You see, everybody that gathered together, as I've said earlier on, they don't know there. They don't understand each language. But the Spirit enables them to speak Arab. It would be very strange for me to hear Rich speaking now my Yoruba language. It would be very strange for somebody that just come from a village in Nigeria to come in here and begin to speak English fluently while me that have been here for um, 28 years is still speaking English that is still need to be corrected. So then you will know that the Spirit of God is at work. So these people were speaking the language of the Arabs. They are speaking the language of different people. They were both speaking it. And these the, the people there, everyone had their language spoken. The devout Jews were attracted and amazed. When you hear me speaking your language, or speaking French or whatever, I don't know how to speak it. Then you come closer to me. When Rich mentioned that my bro fellow brothers Nigerian, I turned around, I waved to them. Because I know they're my people, I can interact with them. So this is what happened. These people saw, the, uh, had their language spoken, and they came, they were so amazed. They were amazed to hear 
the wonderful work of God proclaimed in their own languages. When the disciples were speaking the other people's language, they are not just speaking jargons. They are speaking into their heart, into their mind. The Spirit of God is preaching to them through the mouth of the disciple. The Spirit of God is doing something in their life. They are not speaking jargons. Unity is important. We cannot just sit down. We have been called. We cannot just sit down not to gather together to get the gift of God. Because the church of God must be in every corner. This is the example that we should follow. And when they do all that, some people say, no, they are drunk. I like to be drunk in the Holy Spirit. I love it. If there is a wine of Holy Spirit, as I don't drink alcohol, I would rather buy it with any amount. Because I want to be drunk in the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God motivated them. The Spirit of God empowered them. The Spirit of God charged them up. The Spirit of God made them not to be timid. The Spirit of God made them to speak insight into the heart of people, into the life of people. Now, after all that, a wonderful thing came up. A wonderful sermon. The sermon that starts the church. That is the first sermon that Peter gave on that day. Verse 14 to 21. Peter started with the rest of the apostles, explaining that what explained that what has happened is the fulfillment of the prophecy of the joy, uh, prophet Joel. It is a fulfillment that is in John 2 28 to 32. Who foretold that God will pour out his spirit in the last day? Peter started telling them that look, we are not drunk. We are filled in the spirit of God. We are empowered by the spirit of God. They can even, you know what? They can even hear that people say they are drunk. The spirit of God opened the heart of people to them to make them to see, to hear what they were saying. That is exactly what the spirit of God can do. Peter spoke with boldness in the midst of the crowd. And preach Jesus. Another key point. Peter stood in front of the crowd and preached Jesus. Ah, it really touched me. How many times do we see ministers of God preaching themselves? How many times do we hear on the television ministers of God preaching how big their church is? How many congregations they have? How much they have in their account, how good they look, how tall they are, how beautiful their wife looks. Peter preached Jesus. He preached Jesus. Jesus himself said, When I am being lifted up, I will draw men unto me. We should learn as a church, we should learn as the body of Christ, that the only thing we need to do for changes in our life is to preach Jesus. Just give people Jesus. Don't give me jargons. And that is exactly what Peter did. People come to the church not just for um, sitting down, uh, just, not just for socializing. You don't know what people is going through in them. But they want to hear the word of deliverance. They want to hear the word of healing. They want to hear the word of promise. They, because in Jesus, all things are possible in it. Everything is full of in it. So 
Jesus of Nazareth to the crowd, reminding them of his miracles. He reminded them. He said, look, this Jesus, I am talking to you now. Remember what he has done. He reminded them of his miracles. Their involvement, he even told them their involvement in his death. You people, you crucify him. So Peter was trying to make a point. And it is not Peter speaking. It is the spirit of God speaking. He wants to convict them. Conviction is not in the hand of man. Conviction is in the hand of God. In their involvement in his death. And preaching that God raised him up. From the dead. Because it was not possible. He told them that this Jesus is dead. You lead him to die. You crucify him. Everybody would go along with it. But God has raised him up because it wasn't possible for him to be held down by death. Jesus had power over death. He is the controller of death. Why would Jesus not raise up? Peter told that he's alive. But not possible for death to hold him down. It is not possible. Because if Jesus did not resurrect, there will be shame of Christianity. And they will say, oh, he didn't rise. He's still there. But God proved a point. To them. Praise the Lord. Verse 25 to 26. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm put I try to balance it up, but I'm putting a little bit of Pentecost in it. Please bear with me. <laughs> I try to balance it up, but please, the spirit of God is in control. Verse 25 to 26. As proof to the resurrection, Peter offered them evidences. He gave them evidences that look, he is alive. But why would you convince people when you cannot prove it? So that is very important as a church and as a body of Christ. We should know the word of God in case we go out there so we can present good evidence for them. Peter gave good evidence. He said, number one, the prophecy of David in Psalm 16, 8 to 11, when David prophesied, when David talked about the um, um, the children. Then number two, the twelve apostles as witness. He said, "We are the witness. We witness it that Jesus was the Son of God and is arrived." Number three, the outpouring of the Spirit. You can see now that what we are doing here now is the Spirit of God at work. So that is evidence for them. Then Peter said that God has made Jesus whom they crucified as Lord and Savior. And when they heard that, the Spirit of God has already touched their heart. What do they do? They said, well, then what we will do? What we will do then? They asked Peter, what can we do? Because we, we know we are, we are involved in it. We know we've done wrong. We know we don't believe him. We know we've done this. But what can we do? What do you want us to do? But Peter said to them, they should. What did Peter say that? Peter said to them, they have to ask for forgiveness of sin. That day, they asked for forgiveness of sin because they were united, because they were together, because they followed the the, the, the instruction of the Holy Spirit that the 3,000 souls were won to the church. And that was the first preaching 
for churches. That is the first preaching that, okay, they did not know. When we gather together together, we gather together as a child of God, we should gather together as a body of Christ, because the body of Christ is not divided. We must have one mind so that we can win souls in this area and believe that if we focus on it, the Lord will move mightily in this area and win every soul. And this church will be very full. I didn't say that we are not uh, of one mind, but we should do more. We are trying, but we should do more. Commit ourselves. For one thing, you know one thing? When we do it, we are not doing it for the minister in charge. We are doing it for ourselves. The minister in charge did not even know that he is going to be in this post one day. But we are doing it for ourselves. We are doing it for our children. We are doing it for our inheritance in the kingdom. We should preach the gospel. We should support the vision of God in the church. And in the body of Christ, we should set out to win soul. We pray together with one mind, with one spirit, with one purpose. That God, this is what we want. Not divided mind. Wherever it's divided, the Spirit of God will not move. And then you have your own gift as well. You know when the, the, the Bible said, the Spirit of God came upon them like a cloak, like fire. They catch the fire. It is not going to stop on one person. It's not going to stop on the minister alone. It's not going to stop on the deacons alone. It's not going to stop on the teachers, uh, the leaders alone. But it will spread upon everybody as long as we have one mind. As long as we know our purpose. As long as we know that this is what we want. We are building the kingdom. The Lord has used me to build the kingdom. I have my part in the kingdom. Everybody must be able to put their part in the kingdom. In conclusion, there's something I said here before the conclusion. I wrote something here. And afterwards, after I prepared it, and I began to think, I said, Jesus said to the disciple in verse 1, chapter, um, Acts of Apostle 1, chapter 4, that he commanded them to remain in Jerusalem. And I began to ponder. I said, why? But why would Jesus command them to remain in Jerusalem? He said, don't go until the promise that the Father promised you. And I begin to think, yes, therefore, but why? I wonder to the disciples, Jerusalem is a city of hatred to them. If we read our Bible well, to the disciples, Jerusalem, and even Jesus Christ knew that. Jerusalem is a city of hatred, a city of violence, and a city of persecution. To the disciples. They went through all that in Jerusalem. And I begin to come up with the answer. In that verse 1, from verse 4 downwards, I said, number one, I pick up the point there. The coming of the Spirit will take place where the Savior has been crucified. That is one point. The second point, the presence of the Spirit will be a testimony to man, reject to man's rejection. Of the Son of God, and it has happened. We see that while Peter was preaching. Number three, the spirit of truth will prove the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And all this will take place first in Jerusalem. Why did Jesus? Because when I was thinking that, why would he say that they should stay, tarry in Jerusalem, don't go? When he knows that Jerusalem is dangerous for these people, they try to kill them, they persecute them, they hate them, they do everything. Why would you say they should wait there? And number four, the 
receive the Holy Spirit in the city where they themselves had forsaken the Lord and had fled to save their own skin. They did that. They forsake Jesus. When they think everything is, everything is finished. And number four, finally, they will be made strong and fearless in the place where they have shown themselves to be weak and cowardly. So God wants them to, 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 to establish something. They have been weak, they have been cowardly there, they have threatened them, they have done everything. But all this will start in Jerusalem. If we read further down, the Bible said, then from Jerusalem it will spread to Samaria, to everywhere, to Asia, then to Europe. And it, it really happened. It really happened. I'm looking at time really because <laughs> praise the Lord. In conclusion, the main point are the body of Christ must be in agreement. Holy Spirit empowers when you are in agreement. I don't believe anybody come to uh, Christ with a negative heart, with a negative mind. We have to be in agreement. That is when Holy Spirit will empower each and everyone and spread it, even the children. Every department will be empowered. That is, they must have one mind and one purpose. The body of Christ, we've seen it all over. We've seen conflict in churches. We've seen disagreement in churches. And I don't think it is here. As little as you people are here, I can feel love. As little as you people are here, I can feel unity, as little as you people are here. But Jesus wants us to step up the more. Don't be too comfortable where you are. Because Jesus is a great God. His ministry is great. We shouldn't be too comfortable. We should step, step up. Do more. If you have been doing one, turn it to two. If you have been doing ten, make it four. Double your effort in the kingdom. Because you are doing it for yourself. Not the minister in charge. Everybody will. There's something they call accountability. You will account for yours. I will account for mine. The minister will account for their own. Uh, where am I? The Holy Spirit will move and give direction. Where you agree, there will be direction. Because the Spirit of God will speak. So when these disciples, they gather together, the Spirit of God come, came upon all of them, and you know what they do? He, he spread upon them. They are given gifts, they are given direction. And you know, every step they take like this, the Spirit of God is the one that is guiding them. So we will not take a wrong step. Unity in the body of Christ is very important. It empowers us, I've said. Then Peter said that God, oh, I'll back again. <laughs> it will give direction, also empower the body altogether. Second thing is the church should always preach Christ and Him alone. That is one thing I don't like church that doesn't preach Christ. I don't want to know who you are. I don't know want to know how you, how far you have gone. What I want to know is just give me Christ. Just give me. This is what I have passion for. Give me Christ. I was born a Muslim. I changed and immediately I changed. I saw the difference. And I love Christianity with passion. I love it with passion. Just give me Christ. If you give me Christ, that's the, the other thing. He 
said, seek him first. The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the gospel. The kingdom of God is Jesus Christ. Seek him. Everything you want is in it. How many people will we bring into the kingdom? How many people? Give me Christ. The church of God must be Christ and him alone. Not the building. Not the numbers of the congregation. Not how much money in the bank. Not even the pastor. You don't preach yourself to me. How you have been born. You come from a, a king, king family, rich family. I don't care where you come from. Everybody in the body of Christ is one. Jesus loves us equally. So you cannot tell me, begin to tell me your life story where you have been born and you want me to exceed you hard. No, I can respect you when you give me what I want. If you don't give me what I want, there's nothing. My spirit will attack you. Because that is one thing that I want. But only Christ and his resurrection, the miracles, signs, and wonder will happen in the church. And we can win souls for the kingdom. Unity. The body of Christ. Unity. Unity. The day of Pentecost. Why did Jesus choose that day? He knows that everybody is there. He wants to make sure. Jesus wants to make sure of the disciples. Jesus wants to make sure and embarrass them. So Jesus will make sure of you. Jesus will make sure of your church. But when unity is there, unity is very important. Please don't break away. Please don't have different minds. You are working for Jesus. You are not working for Baptist Union. Baptist Union is not the one that called you. You are not working for any congregation. You are working for the kingdom of God. Please focus what you're doing. Put more effort in it. Just purposely because of the kingdom. May the Lord help us. I want us to pray. I'm sorry. The Bible said, whatever I hear you say, that is what I will do. I want you to pray with your mouth. God, I want to experience the time, the spirit of that Pentecost. I want to experience it in this church. I want to experience it in my life. In the meeting, in the leaders' meeting, in the church meeting, in the elders' meeting, Lord, we want to experience it. That time of Pentecost, that grace of Pentecost, that spirit of Pentecost, that anointing of Pentecost, we want it. We pray, oh Lord God, this area, this area, we want you to move. Move us so that we can win souls for your kingdom. Win souls for your kingdom. Can you pray, please? Father, we thank you, Jesus. We bless you for everybody that is here. Thank you, Jesus. As I have spoken, Lord, Holy Spirit, let it be in Jesus' name, the spirit of Pentecost. Let it begin to operate in this church. Let it begin to work in this church. Let it increase this church. Let it enlarge this church. This church. I pray the spirit of Pentecost that unites the apostle. Let it manifest in the name of Jesus. Father, we bless you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this little time. Every word that I've spoken, let it have meaningful. Let it be meaningful in the name of Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.